Welcome to the Hack My Solar Podcast, providing off-grid solutions to an on-grid world. Hey everybody and welcome to the Hack My Solar Podcast. This is Sean Mills and today we're going to talk about a holistic view of energy use within the household. This is not going to be specifically about solar energy. Any of the things that I'm going to talk about today are things that could definitely be, be used on a household that is on the grid, off the grid, on the grid with grid-tied solar. It doesn't really matter. It, it's not a solar-specific podcast. It's about evaluating your energy usage, identifying ways to potentially reduce that usage, and uh, you know conserve your cash because... In most situations, the more energy you use, the more cash outflow you have to pay for it. And that energy may be in the form of firewood, it may be in the form of propane or natural gas, or it might be electricity. So here are some of the things uh, that, that we're going to talk about um, in, in no specific order. We're going to talk about heating and cooling, we're going to talk about lighting, water usage, we're going to talk a little bit about appliances, consumer appliances, things like that. We're going to talk a little bit about insulation, windows, things that you can do to keep your money inside after you've spent it, and uh, anything else that may pop up as we go along. So the first thing, and this makes a whole lot of sense because it is the place where most of the energy usage in any household exists. It's conditioning the space, whether that be cooling it or heating it, and in some areas, dehumidifying it. That's going to be your biggest annual spend, and, and, and that's pretty common for just about everyone in the U.S. If you live in the South, you may not be heat as much in the winter, but you're cooling a lot more during the summer, and vice versa if you're up North. Now, as someone that lives off-grid, I can tell you that I would much prefer to live in a cooler climate because it's much easier <laughs> for me to go out and pick up and cut up deadwood from my own property and burn that in the winter or even pay someone if someone's got cheap firewood in my area pay someone for firewood and then burn that for heat in the house that's much easier for me to do and much more cost-effective for me uh, than it is to try to keep my house cool in the in the heat of the summer um, We do a pretty good job. We have some systems in place that allow us to Cool and, and stay cool and stay comfortable at night without spending a lot of money that we don't want to spend but in terms of overall usage it's actually typically cheaper in the south because electricity is cheaper compared to some of the other things like propane and heating fuel, diesel and things like that. Some of the other things that people that don't heat with wood with up in the north, their winter bills are way more expensive than the highest summer bills in the south unless you've just got some crazy uh, bad insulation or inefficient system going on. So one of the options that someone could use, and we'll start with, with cooling, uh, would be to take a look at basically three different strategies. One is evaluate the system that you're using for cooling. 
there's something called a seasonal energy effectiveness rating or SEER. That rating really, it, it, I mean, one number change can have a pretty decent impact on what you're gonna spend to cool a space over the course of a year or over the course of several years or even decades. So taking a look at what you've got in place and making sure if you're in a position where you can change or in a position where you have to change, maybe your system went out, getting those higher efficiency ratings may cost more upfront, but that money is absolutely gonna pay for itself over time, many, many times over. And the next thing is, and you've, I'm sure you've heard it before, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, but set your thermostat to reasonable levels. Uh, if you live in Texas and you're getting 110 degree days, you shouldn't have to have your, your system set at 68 degrees to feel comfortable in the house. Um, honestly, where we live, we don't even get that hot. And we're typically, if we can keep the house in the high 70s to even up to maybe 82, 83, we're comfortable. Uh, especially if you put something like a ceiling fan or a box fan on you or even an oscillating fan on you uh, maybe when you're going to bed because people like to be cooler when they're going to bed that's an excellent strategy and the difference between 78 and 68 uh, in terms of the the amount of energy you're going to use to cool that that house is going to be huge the other option uh, and and this is another one that we use in part is instead of using the central AC use a room-sized air conditioner and so for example maybe you set your house AC at 81 but you like your bedroom nice and cool when you go to bed maybe put a window unit in that bedroom or one of those standalone units with the exhaust duct that runs outside and use that to drop that uh, bedroom temperature down to something that's more reasonable it's very inefficient for you to be using let's say 150 square foot of your house at any one time but cooling the whole 2,000 square feet um, it, it's it's a waste of it's a waste of money it's a waste of wear and tear on your unit uh, some small decisions a couple degrees here and there can really make a big impact not only like I say on the on the spend itself uh, for the electricity but on the wear and tear, I mean, if you have a unit that can work, it has to cycle on and cycle off 25% less over the course of a day, well then, you know, you should get 25% more life out of that system in terms of the number of cycles before something starts to break. If you're using a 25% less and it's gonna break at say 10,000 cycles, and I know that's not a binary, it's gonna always break at this many cycles, but, the more you use it and the harder you use it the less it uh, the less it's gonna less time it's gonna take before something goes bad or you have to spend money on a repair or to replace the unit so those really are your big three things that you can look at doing and we I highly highly recommend the fan option it's amazing how you can walk into a room that is not comfortable does not feel good and put a fan on you and you feel just fine. You're perfectly comfortable. The other thing that you could do is use the uh, air conditioning function of a window unit to dehumidify. 
So if you're in a house and maybe you don't have central AC, but you are using those central units, not even dropping the temperature that much, maybe dropping the temperature three degrees below ambient in the house, but that dehumidification effect, that removing of, of the water from the air has a huge impact on how warm you actually feel. So moving on to heat, I tell everyone this, half the people believe me and the other half, you know, say maybe that's a good idea, maybe it's not. But do everything in your power to heat with wood. Wood is a renewable resource. It is solar energy, it's stored solar energy through the process of photosynthesis. And I'm telling you, not only in my opinion is it the most comfortable way to heat a house, but it's cheap. A lot of times it's nearly free. We, we live on 10 acres and about seven of that is wooded. And if I had the time to go out and collect 100% of our firewood from our woodlot and use dead wood only, I could absolutely do that. Now the reality is with the other obligations that I have and the fact that I don't want to do it and don't have to, from a financial standpoint, you know, it, it to me it makes more sense to pay someone for a little bit of firewood, or if I've got a tree, you know, close to the house that's gone down, or a tree that I need to take down for some reason, yeah, that's absolutely going to become firewood that burns in the house. But walking up and down the hills, collecting, you know, two cords of firewood, I don't think we only typically use around one per year, but I'd want to have at least two put up. Um, if we did that, then that's a lot of time that I could spend with my family, that I could spend working on this podcast, that I could spend helping other people uh, that want to go off the grid but you know may not you know fully understand everything or want help with design, or people that want to do energy audits so that they can save a hundred bucks a month for seven months out of the year. Those things are way more important to me. Than making sure I'm not spending any money on, on wood. But I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't convert electricity into heat. It's the least effective way, the least efficient way to do it. Um, because electricity is so cheap in most parts of the country, <coughs> it's not a huge issue in terms of, uh, excuse me, I had to take a drink there. Um, it's not a huge issue in terms of cost, except for when it's really, really cold, or if you're in a situation where maybe you don't have great insulation in areas, and you've got to put space heaters in on top of maybe a central uh, furnace, or you've got to put you know pipe tape on pipes that's electric to make sure that your pipes don't freeze. Uh, that stuff is very inefficient. Um, and it's a very inefficient and costly way to use electricity. Wood is a great way to heat. Here's another one. How about solar thermal? How about most of the year, you could utilize at least a portion of that free sunlight that's hitting your house with something as simple as a $200 four by eight triple screen solar thermal collector uh, and a $20 computer fan to pull hot air into the house. Hot air that's that's maybe you're pulling air from, from lower in the house, running it through this collector, and then blow, pulling it back into the house with that 
fan and when the sun goes down you just unplug the fan and push a damper closed to keep that flow from working back the other way that's a very easy very cost-effective way to utilize some of that free solar energy that's falling on your house I've seen people do whole walls with solar thermal panels I've seen people put them up on their roof this year we're actually gonna build one and put it on our we've got a covered uh, porch off the side of the, of the house uh, that's fully enclosed now with windows windows are a horrible insulator so that area is not going to pick up a whole lot of um, heat and retain it from the house but if we put a couple of those solar thermal collectors in there I bet it'll be nice and cozy I'm not am I saying I'm gonna go out there with short sleeves and shorts on absolutely not but it's gonna be a lot more comfortable than sitting out on my front porch that's exposed to the elements so heating with wood heating with the power of the Sun the radiant power of the Sun that we're given for free um, another option would be space heating with propane or natural gas it's still not very cost-effective but it's you know it's better than heating the whole house with electricity put it that way um, another thing that you could look into um, I've seen people do this I've never done it myself but if you've got the um, the wood-burning stove uh, and you you've got this hot stove pipe that, that does radiate a little bit of heat into the house but you know a lot of that heats going out through the chimney I've seen people wrap that with some pipe and then use that as like a radiant floor heating system um, again I've, I've never seen it in person I've only seen some YouTube videos of it that seems like a really interesting way uh, to heat the house heat rises so if you're heating the floor you know not only is that comfortable for your feet but then on top of that that's gonna rise up into the rest of the house and maybe um, reduce by a little bit the amount of, of wood you've got to burn to keep that house warm <coughs> another option which this is very site specific a lot of places you can't do this because of the weight um, but I'm a big believer in rocket mass heaters uh, if you could build a rocket stove and run that exhaust through a mass where instead of all that heat escaping through the chimney a lot of it is picked up and then radiated back into the room that's great and again if we focus on heating the person rather than heating the space that's a much more efficient efficient way to do it with those rocket mass heaters you can sit on it you can lay on it you can sleep on it and now you're getting the benefit of that you know kind of like a heating blanket which are horrible they're a horrible use of electricity uh, an electric heating blanket do some people need and want them yes and I totally get that but in terms of of uh, being an effective way to spend dollars on on energy uh, it's not very effective um, I under I completely understand why people have them as a matter of fact at one point in my life I had a couple of them so I'm not talking down to anyone that have them I'm just letting you know they're, they're not an efficient way and, and not a cost-effective way uh, to generate heat uh, that being said you know they're probably better than heating the whole house with electricity if you could keep the house colder and then heat yourself when you go to bed with that electric blanket that might be I haven't done the math on it but that might be a more effective uh, use of your money so I think we've hit on you know pr the primary strategies there for the heat and cold 
if, if you if you're 100 electric heat right now i highly recommend you at least take a look at wood heat take a look is there a way that you could heat something with wood those stoves and the and the and running the stove pipe is not as expensive as a lot of people think they might be and if that's not an option for you take a look at solar thermal uh, again but those if, if it's sited properly just about anywhere um, with with a decent cool uh, uh, heating load in the winter you're gonna pay you're gonna more than pay back the price of and I'm ta specifically talking about the triple screen uh, collector <coughs> that triple screen collector and you can find videos all over YouTube of that thing the cost of what it what it makes versus the BTUs that it puts out if it's sited properly it pays itself back in less than one heating season all right um, I'll talk a little bit about lighting I was at a um, energy conference recently down in Birmingham that Southern Company was putting on and one of the guys that was, that was there speaking was talking about the reduction in uh, load that they've had uh, in base load and talking about the fact that that reduction is almost entirely a result of light bulbs. The, the reduction in base load is, load is almost entirely a result of people going from incandescent to, um, you know, the, what do we, what, I don't even remember what those squiggly guys were called anymore. I haven't used one in so long but the mini fluorescence and then on down to the LEDs. <laughs> and because of that, because of so many people are doing it, the cost of an LED bulb is ridiculously low. The first LED bulb that I put in in 2012 when we moved here was $44. $44 for a light bulb. That same bulb or its equivalent, I can get for $4 now. Um, there's no reason not to have LED in your house if you don't like the blue light and you want something that's on, you know lower on the kelvin scale the, there's options all the way all the way across that scale um, personally we use primarily the soft white uh, which i can't remember what i think it's 4000 kelvin or something like that we do have a bluer light in the living room we have a big light in the living room so when we want to play board games or things like that play cards in the living room uh, we do have a, a bluer light there, uh, but the rest of the lights in the house are, are that on that yellow spectrum, which they say is better for you. I won't say any more about lighting other than <laughs> get LEDs. Uh, from an appliance standpoint, there's a lot of appliances out there that are being made more energy efficiently. Um, they, they, they have Energy Star ratings. On your big appliances, I definitely would encourage you to take a look. Um, like your refrigerator and freezer and things like that, there's a yellow card that'll tell you about what it costs to run that thing per year. You may pay a little bit more up front, but if they're telling you that there's a $25 to $30 a year difference in the cost of operating it, and you you know, and it's it's $150 maybe $200 more expensive to buy the unit over the life of that thing. If they're telling you that, that that's big, there's that big of a difference, there's probably a bigger one. It's gonna pay itself back. And the thing is, is those all costs are all based on today's electricity rates. 
We know electricity rates on average, uh, raises on average 4% per year and has for as long as they've been tracking it. Um, that also doesn't talk about the cost of the value, time value of money and, and what spending a little bit more now and then spending less every month for the foreseeable future um, will do for you long term. I'm not going to go into any of that. Yeah, what's that phrase? I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor, and all my financial advice should be taken with a grain of salt <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but in any case, um, yet yeah, take a look at those. From a, you know, we use a lot. I think about nine percent of uh, the average household's energy usage, and as as much as seventy percent of electricity usage is entertainment. So TVs, video games. DVD players, DirecTV boxes, cable boxes, uh, stereos, all of that stuff. I would posit that a vast majority of that electricity is used when those devices are not on. <coughs> one of the easiest things that you can do and one of the least cost, uh, uh, you know, the, the things that cost the least to actually do is put those appliances on a power strip or on a surge protector. And really they should be on a surge protector Anyways, those are typically high dollar uh, systems. You don't want a surge to come through and blow that stuff out. But turn it off when it's not being used. Um, we have basically three different quote unquote entertainment areas in the house. Uh, we've got one upstairs, our bedroom and uh, the living room and everything on in all three of those areas are on a power strip that gets turned off every night. And it doesn't get turned on until it's being used. And if we're walking away from the TV for 10 minutes, we may not turn the box off because we don't want to have to reload the satellite when we turn it back on. But we'll turn the TV off. Um, and it's going to be much longer than that. We'll turn the, we'll flip the switch and turn the whole system off and then turn it back on when we want to watch it again. That saves so much electricity. <coughs> There's so much electricity wasted on stuff being left on. But then there's that other big piece that gets wasted when stuff is actually eating electricity when it's off. And pri it's primarily those um, those entertainment areas because there's you know five or six or eight things plugged in there that all are they're all waiting for something to be told you know waiting for them to do something. Maybe there's a DVR. If you've got a DVR and you want to leave that on while the rest of the stuff is turned off to record your shows. So you can watch them later, I get that, but none of the other stuff has to be on in order for the DVR to record. Um, moving on, you know, um, microwaves are another big one. That clock on the microwave is useless. You know, there's no reason for you to be spending that much electricity to have a fourth clock, you know, uh, in your kitchen because you probably have one on your stove, which most of the time it makes sense to leave your stove plugged in. Uh, you might have one on the wall. You might have one on your wrist when you're in there, and you almost definitely have one on your phone when you're in the kitchen. So walking into the kitchen and looking over at that microwave to see the clock on it is, uh, is just a waste of electricity. So that's a big one. Um, there's There have been some studies. There, there was a study that said the first study was a piece of crap, but there was a study that came out that said over its lifetime, a microwave will actually use more electricity when it's not heating stuff up. Uh, than it will when it is so again take any of those statistics with a grain of salt but just from a logical standpoint if we're not using it and we don't need it 
let's turn it off. It doesn't make any sense to uh, keep that thing on. Tell you what, I'm running a little bit long today, so I'm gonna cut it off there. Um, we're gonna pick this topic back up on another podcast and walk through some of the things that may not be as front forward as uh, appliances, heating and cooling and, and light bulbs. Um, thanks for joining us. If you've got questions or if there's anything specific you'd like me to talk about, uh, whether it relates to this topic or anything else, uh, shoot me an email at sean at hackmysolar.com. Uh, you can hit us up on our Facebook page or uh, at the website hackmysolar.com. Each podcast has its own blog post, so feel free uh, to go there and shoot us a message. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.